Luke 5, verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Luke. I'm just going to bounce right back to the beginning of this. Today we meet Levi, who's also called Matthew. Yes, it's the Matthew that wrote the Gospel of Matthew. Um, And we'll just walk right back through this short text here. Verse 27, where we began. After this, he went out. After what? This was after he heals the paralytic, and he goes probably goes out of Capernaum by the Sea of Galilee and sees Matthew sitting at the tax booth collecting taxes for his tra- uh, lake on, uh, travel on the lake or stuff on the lake. But after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. Now, tax collectors, uh, we've talked about this a little bit before, but tax collectors had their own category of sin in the eyes of the public and the leaders. Um, they would often they'd lump them together like this, sinners, prostitutes, and tax gatherers. <laughs> so they were just bad. They were seen as scum. Um, we were, they had a, the Romans had a system set up that they were called tax farmers because the Romans would auction off an area off to the highest bidder. Um, and they didn't care what you, how much you collected as long as you met whatever they required. You could collect above that all you wanted, and that's how they would get rich. Um, we'll meet Zacchaeus later in Luke, who is a tax farmer. Whether Matthew was just a tax gatherer who would, would, would be working for another tax farmer. You know what I mean? So he would gather some, get a percentage of his, and on and on. Like a Ponzi scheme, but run by the Roman Empire. Um, or that would be a reverse Ponzi scheme. But anyway... Uh, they were bad, or they were seen as horrible. Uh, they worked for the hated imperialists, right, the Romans. So they were seen as traitors to Israel. They were cooperating with an occupying force. Uh, they were considered extortionists and fraudulent. The rabbis classified them as robbers. Uh, plus, their job required constant contact with Gentiles, like Romans, etc. Um, so they were always considered ritually unclean. They were socially ostracized. And this is the guy that Jesus picks as one of his disciples. Um, Verse 28. And leaving everything, this is what Levi does, leaving everything, he rose and followed him. He quit a lucrative job, right? Good money to follow a broke carpenter or a rabbi. Um, and follow, when, when Jesus is saying this, when he says, follow me, like he said to Peter and, other, and James, John, etc., follow me means be my student. It doesn't just mean like, hey, walk behind me now. No, it means be my student. I'm, you're going to be my disciple. I'm going to be your teacher. You're going to be my student. Um, and to be asked by what is now definitely a respected rabbi, right? He had the attention of everyone. Uh, they just don't ask people like Matthew, or Peter, for that matter, 
to become their students. That's not what respectable rabbis do. They wouldn't even speak to guys like this. And yet Jesus is walking by him in his tax booth and says, hey, why don't you come be my student? You know, I wonder how many people don't follow Jesus just because they've never been asked. And this is Matthew. This is Matthew who wrote the Bible, right? He wrote the Gospel of Matthew, the most unlikely person in Galilee to pick to write a gospel that has changed the world, as a matter of fact. You hear so many sermons from the Sermon on the Mount, right? That's all Matthew. Um, makes you wonder, what can God do with you if he can do that with this guy? Verse 29, And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. A feast. Large company. All his friends, right? Matthew was happy, so he threw a party for Jesus. He wanted them to meet Jesus and to hear Jesus. So he has, think of this as a reception for Jesus, uh, who is a guest, but Jesus somehow always manages to become a host in these scenes. Um, it's interesting because he, we see him a lot feasting, but I'll get to that in a minute. So verse 30, and the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? So these guys, you got a picture. It's hard for us to picture this because, you know, if we're having a, a big banquet or a dinner or whatever, we're inside our house or inside a, a rented hall or something like that. This, so, you know, this would be a, a semi-public affair. Matthew, it'd be, like, it'd be like a garden party so people could see it from the outside. So these Pharisees think of them as kind of being on the outside, watching all these people having fun, feasting with Jesus. And they're grumbling and complaining. Uh, they're murmuring is another translation, which is a funny word. And, um, they're, and they're saying, why do you, and they're shouting to Jesus or saying to him, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? See, tax collectors had their own category of sin. Um, and this, so it's like a public setting. And they're reclining at table, right? You got to picture these guys just reclining at table, fellowshipping. The way they would eat back then is there'd be a low table. They'd be kind of like on their elbows, laying on their side, eating and talking and having a good time, drinking wine. Um, Luke likes to present Jesus at feasts. He does it a lot. We're going to see that. Matthew does it too, but Luke does it a lot. And Matthew and Luke present the kingdom of heaven as a banquet. They're, Luke is always presenting, they're always presenting it that way. It's a party. Um, and of course, Jesus would often be seen at one and acting like a host. The gospel is an invitation to a great supper. Uh, I want my house to be filled, God says. And that is the message of the Bible. It's, as a matter of fact, that's how it ends all the way at the end of the Bible. The book of Revelation, God's there filling his house with people. It's a beautiful thing. And table fellowship, back to our scene here, table fellowship is a big deal in the culture, it means uh, the endorsement of those you dine with. The Pharisees would never dine with common people because uh, the common people might be ritually unclean. The food might, be, not, might not be kosher enough. And they would never sit down with a tax gatherer, let alone a whole house full of them. So they're basically saying, what are you, meaning because Jesus is a rabbi now, remember, <clears throat> what are you doing with them? Verse 31, and Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. You know, we treat doctors like gods in our culture. 
which is silly because they're, they're so they're wrong as often as they're right, it seems to me, from my experience. <clears throat> but that's okay. Treat them with respect, but don't treat them like gods. Uh, but it's not wrong to think of God as a doctor. Jesus is referred to as the great physician, mainly because of this scene here and then obviously from him healing crowds and crowds of people. Um, it would be strange. It would be a strange doctor who refused to see sick people. But God is a doctor who comes to us in Jesus. He makes house calls. Um, Jesus as the great physician. He's the one that heals us. And verse 32, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's how it ends. Respectable people don't like Jesus. They don't think they need him. You know, it was, it's amazing to me. Uh, do you really think you don't need Jesus? Do you really think you are good enough for God? How, many, how high opinion of yourself do you have? The self-satisfied are the hardest to convince. Remember what we said before, God only receives beggars. We must admit that we are sick before we can ever receive healing. Just like drug addicts or alcoholics. We must admit we are wrong before we can be made right. Before we can turn and repent, that's what repent means, to turn. We must admit we're going in the wrong direction. We must understand that and see it. We are broken. Not to see that is to be blind, which means you need healing. And it's not that Jesus isn't calling the righteous also. It's just that he's not calling the self-righteous. He wants them too, but, but they would never hear him. They can't hear him. That's enough for now. We'll pick it up next time in verse 33 of Luke 5. Uh, remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at uh, lukethepodcast at gmail.com. Lukethepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>